Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 1. Being in the church very long, you found out that I'm not the best uh, holiday preacher. <laughs> but um, God did quicken me about something just wonderful. I have more for, for us today, more of an exhortation uh, than a sermon. And, uh, but uh, praise God. And uh, we want to encourage everybody to come back out tonight. Uh, for, again, the kids program. And uh, don't forget that uh, we also receive an offering, a love offering, and it goes right into our benevolence fund. And that's the fund that we tap into to help uh, church members and people outside the church when we can, when the Lord leads us to, to help people with financial needs that they may have. Amen. And uh, so, praise God. Uh, Luke chapter 1. And getting into the Christmas story there according to St. Luke. And we'll uh, scroll down and find the 26th verse. The 26th verse. Father, we approach your word with reverence and humility and with a mind to be a doer of the word. Father, thank you for revelation knowledge to be quickened and given to every person under the sound of my voice. Father, expand us today. Enlarge us today. Uh, help us to have a fuller richer, more accurate and true understanding of who you are and what you want to be in our lives every day, every day, not just once in a while, but every day. Thank you for the unveiling of your word by your spirit. I'm going to do it, uh, minister it, God, with the ability that you're going to give. And I believe they're going to receive it with a heart full of faith in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. In Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse number 26, uh, the Bible says here, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came uh, in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and you shall bring forth a son, and you shall name him Jesus, or you shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great. And shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. We know from there that God performed exactly what he said in her life through the angel Gabriel. And that the child that was born unto her 
is none other than the Son of God. Amen? But when I was reading the Christmas story and thinking about what I should share with you today from the Word, this verse, of course, stood out to me, verse 37. Amen? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let's let your own heart hear you say it to yourself. Say, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Come on, let's say it again. With God, nothing shall be impossible. One more time. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. (coughs) Excuse me. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? There is nothing too hard for God. Amen. Mary was just a young person. Uh, She could have been as young as 14, 15, 16 years old when she was espoused or engaged to Joseph. And to have this supernatural experience where the angel Gabriel comes in and appears before her and then describes what God has called her to, what God has proclaimed that he wants to do in her life was obviously impossible. There is a process by which children are born. It takes the seed of a man and the egg in the womb of a woman for a child to be born. And so she said, how shall this thing be knowing, you know, that I know not a man, that I've not been intimate with a man? Praise God. And of course, God said the Holy Ghost is going to come on you and overshadow you. Praise God. And he says, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. If God wants a girl to have a baby without the assistance of a man, he can do it. Amen. Hallelujah. If God can cause the virgin to give birth, what could God do in your life? Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. And I love her simple response. Amen. And no doubt it's a key for us. How do we tap into that which is impossible? Well, we could just start with her response. She said, be it unto me according to your word. Amen. She didn't let her head get in the way. Amen. She just mixed her faith from her heart with what God said to her through the angel. Amen. You know, every single one of us at some point or another in our life is going to need a miracle from God. Every single one of us. Amen. We are going to require a miracle from God. Every single one of us in our life at some point or another is going to need the impossible to be made possible. Amen. So much of the time we think about miracles like this, that miracles are a divine bailout in desperate circumstances. And God certainly does perform, amen, miracles for His people in desperate circumstances. But God wants to do miracles uh, in your life, not just because you're in a crisis. God wants to do miracles in our lives, not just because we need a divine bailout. Again, so many Christians, we have such this uh, limited, small concept of what's available, what God will do in our life. Amen? So much of the time, we don't even look to God to do anything for us until it's just the last resort. I mean, it's like, has it come to that? 
We do everything in the natural that we can do on our own apart from Him. And then when all hope of anything natural being done by us or man to get us where we want to go or to solve the problems that we're facing, then then we might turn to God and beg for a miracle. Amen. But when we only, if that's our only experience with miracles, when those, if a crisis moment like that comes, we're not likely to get a miracle. So many people, you know, they, uh, they don't get interested in receiving divine healing until the doctors say there's nothing more we can do for you. And they say, well, I need a miracle. Well, you need a miracle, but I've seen very few people get those miracles. And it's not that God can't do it. We just read, nothing is impossible with God. But there's never been any development. There's never been any skill developed. They weren't interested in the miraculous because they never really thought they would get to that place where they actually had to have a miracle. Do you know God? You could just be everything be fine, everything be rosy, and you're hearing from God, you're being led by God, and God will on purpose lead you to a place, a moment in time, a circumstance where you will have to have a miracle. We have, we have biblical proof for this, right? God is the one who instructed Moses to lead the children of Israel on the route that he did. And he led them right to a dead end. With Pharaoh's army breathing down his neck, God led them right to a valley. There's mountain range on the left, mountain range on the right, and you got bloodthirsty uh, Egyptian army behind them, still raw with the death of their firstborn children. And God leads them to the bank of the Red Sea. Did God miss it? God made a miscalculation? No. He led them to the place on purpose. To that where if they were going to move forward, amen, that they were going to have to experience the impossible. And God showed himself very willing and very happy, amen, to perform that miracle in their life. You know, what I hope to exhort you about and to see today is that really God has the miraculous for all of his people as a manner of life, as a way of life. Now, you can define miracles in, in many different ways, but anytime God uses his ability or uses his power to do anything out of the ordinary, to help you, well, that's supernatural. Amen? If you, pray a, if you pray a prayer and God answers that prayer, it may not be spectacular to you. Amen? But if God, you know, let's say you asked for a job and you got a job and God got directly involved in answering your prayer, that means He whispered into that someone's ear, your uh, application rose to the top. It may not appear very spectacular, but if, if you had not prayed and God had not moved, you wouldn't have got the job. Amen? God has the miraculous for us as a lifestyle and not just a bailout. God is the God of miracles. I said God is the God of miracles. 
you know, what, what I want to just hopefully just encourage us in is that, uh, you know, this is a walk with God. It's a life with God. And we get used to saying God, but let's not forget who we're talking about. We're talking about God and God in our fellowship with him. It becomes a divine partnership with him. And we just begin to, even as we're just going about natural life, we are involving God in our everyday affairs. And we're not just having miracles or God moments once every decade in times of crisis. But we're hearing from God on a regular basis and we're receiving the miraculous all the time. And we're producing the miraculous for others all the time. And we've got to begin to open up our expectation and our understanding, amen, uh, to see this as not just possible, but the will of God for you and for me. You know, God's plan for your life. It's like, okay, we all know that God has a plan for our life. But so, many, uh, so much of the time, we are trying to fulfill His plan for our lives by just on our own in the natural. And that's not how God intended it. God did not author for you, Brother Maurice, a plan that you can fulfill without Him. That's no fun for Him. It doesn't create a much of a reliance on Him. We're just not little worker bees for God. God has a plan for our life and it will take His power. It will take His ability. It will take that mutual divine cooperation for us to walk out to the fullest His plan for our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's go to John chapter 2. And I just want to exhort you this morning. Uh, I have three big keys to living in the miraculous. Three big keys to living in the miraculous. Well, here in John chapter 2, Jesus has grown up now. And uh, praise God. Let's, let's read beginning in verse 1. John chapter 2 verse 1. It says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Or they were, the word called means invited. To the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Amen. Just keep your eyes up here. And there were set there six water pots of stone. And after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water, parts, the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bare it, or they carried it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth the good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse or inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. It says this beginning of miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. Now listen, this, this, this circumstance is just an everyday life event. Problems like this happen 
all the time. We would not call this one of those Red Sea moments. I'm going to die if you don't come through type of moments. This is not a, 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 just a, a time of desperation. What's the worst case scenario for the hosts of this wedding? Embarrassment. There's, there's going to have some shame or embarrassment. Maybe that uh, they're going to have to scramble and, uh, and send some servants to market to hopefully get, get some resupply before too many guests notice. Or maybe they're just going to flat out have to experience the embarrassment of having run. Have you ever run out? I've run out. You know, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't buy enough ice cream. I'm sorry. I should have bought three bags of ice instead of two. Amen. It, I wouldn't, the natural mind wouldn't say that God would be willing to intervene and employ his power to upend all of nature and every natural process to save me a little embarrassment or inconvenience. But he did. He did. He didn't even initiate this miracle, did he? He tried to get out of it. But you know, even when uh, you know, you're the son of God, Mama, what, when mama says, then mama says. It doesn't matter that you're the son of God. Don't you love her attitude here? She put a demand on him, and then when he told her, hey, it's not my time, he did, she just had nothing to say. She turned her back on him and spoke to the servants. And Mary gave us the first big key to the miraculous. Amen? We know it, right? You know this. What did, what did Jesus tell those or what did Mary tell the servants? Whatever he says to do, do it. So the first big key to miracles is big obedience. Amen? You got to obey big. If you'll obey big, you'll live in the miraculous with God. Notice, you know, again, here's a little side note about miracles. Miracles up in time. Miracle, to, 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 to miracles, time means nothing. Miracles bypass process and the natural order of things. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. So think about what, what God did. Normally, you have to, you know, go grow grapes. And then you have to harvest grapes. And then you have to press grapes. Then you have to mix it. Then you have to ferment the grapes. And then the fermenting process to make drinkable wine takes time. Jesus upended all that. Amen. You know, God will just, if, you know, if we'll learn to walk with him, he'll just bypass time. And natural, you know, time is short. And God needs big things done. And if we'll learn to walk with him and expand our horizons, amen, that he'll bypass time and process. We don't have to go through that growing season and all that. God's with this. He could just go, boom, and there it is. But notice he involved, those folks had a small role, but a very vitally important role to the consummation of that miracle. Now, you know the picture, right? He's got these big pots of water. They hold about 30 gallons a piece. They, went and they had to go and fill them up. Well, most Christians, they would go, I don't understand all this. Why didn't he just send us to the store? You can't make grapes like this. You can't make wine like this. 
It takes water to make wine, but I mean, this is just not what you do. They didn't do any of that. They just did what Mary said. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Hey, listen, when God tells you to do something, it doesn't make sense. If you want to live in the miraculous, stay out of your head and just obey. Just obey. God wants to do some amazing things in our lives, and he just needs us to demonstrate some obedience. Just do what he said. Amen. Well, they could do that, so they did it. I mean, and they did it all the way. They filled those water pots up to the brim. And then Jesus, you know, look what he said. He said, now dip some out. And he said, take it to the man in charge. Take it to the man in charge. I'd have looked in there if I was one of those servants that said, are you going to make it wine first? But they didn't do that. They just, he did. So, you know, he dipped it out. Sure looks like water to me. Jesus said, take it to the governor of the feast. To the head of the party. Okay. And some time between then, amen, and when he sipped it, it was miraculously transformed into really good wine. Are you with me? You know, we need to, we need to obey. If, we, and if we'll obey, we'll live in the miraculous. And God may tell you some whoppers. So, you know, I, I reread this this weekend. You know, Joshua, he's the new leader of the Israelites. And they just have a bad track record of failure, you know. And uh, their first assignment is to go across the Jordan River. And there you got Jericho. And you got Jericho's walls. Walls so thick that they had chariot races on the top of the walls. Right? And... Uh, God says to Joshua, see, I have given you the city. What, what, can you imagine just Joshua? Uh, well, I see the city. It sure don't look like mine. See, it's one of the keys to living in the miraculous. You've got to see the impossible. You've got to see the invisible. God said, see, I have given you Jericho. And then he gave them instructions. Get seven priests with seven ram's horns and put them out front and then tell all your soldiers, line up, don't talk, and surround the city. Walk around the city one time and then go back, and ha- and go back to camp. Hmm. And how's this going to win the battle? That doesn't matter. This first key is Obey. Obey. So they did it. They lined up everybody and they marched around the wall. And they said, this do seven days. But on the seventh day, march around it seven times. Oh boy. And if you ever watch VeggieTales, it's just classic. You know, all those soldiers, all those little peas, right? Were they peas? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you silly little pickle, you know. This marching ain't going to get you, you know, it's going to cause our wall to come down. If I got Faith up here, she could sing the whole song verbatim. She just got it. Amen. And they poured the little shakes on them, the slushies, and just mocked them. We had to know those people are up there. What are y'all doing? You think this is going to do it? Wearing a path around our castle? 
And then after they did that seven days, Joshua said, because God said, tell them to shout. Shout. You know, and I've read, it's so hilarious when you read stuff online that studies have been done, how many decibels could they have produced that perhaps they, the sound was so intense it knocked walls down so thick you could you have chariot rays. I'm like, please. See, they're looking for a natural explanation. So they shouted. And the Bible says the walls fell down flat. Now really that's a bad translation because if they fell down flat, you're going to kill the Israelites. Or you're going to destroy all the stuff. And he said, I give you the city. Amen. But really in the Hebrew, it says they fell in upon themselves. All, no doubt what God did is he just opened the earth and those walls went. Whoosh, and all of a sudden they just step over. And then the freak out, the little peas are running for their lives. See, God did the impossible. And Joshua and the Israelites had a part. What was their part? Obey what looked ridiculous. Obey and just do what looked dumb. But that simple act of obedience, amen, produced miraculous results. So before we get to the second key, obviously to to operate and flow daily in this key, you have to develop your ability to hear from God. You have to cultivate a walk with Him. He cannot be a stranger to you. You have to get to know Him. You have to become acquainted with His leading and with His voice. And if you'll just walk with Him every day in big things and in small things, you will gain an intimacy with Him and you will trust Him. And when He asks you to give a thousand, <laughs> you know, and it looks like, you know, that's your last thousand, but He told you to give it, that because your walk with Him is there and you know He loves you and, and you've come to trust Him, you'll obey Him when He gives you a whopper of an instruction. And it's only then that we're going to uh, experience the miraculous. Amen. Again, there's examples all over the Bible about how willing God is to employ His miracle working power in everyday flows. So uh, Peter was out in town and some enemies of Jesus came up and said, how come we haven't seen Jesus, His tax bill? He hadn't paid His tax bill yet. You hadn't paid yours either. Well, he just went right back to headquarters. And before Peter could even bring it up about the taxes, what they'd said, Jesus already knew it. Said the, Jesus prevented them. And he, he said, uh, gave him this little question about, you know, taxes and these different things. And then he tells Peter, lest we offend them, go cast your hook. First fish you catch. Open its mouth, pull out the coin, pay your taxes in mine. Notice Jesus is thinking the miraculous. He is not thinking, go to the ATM. He's not thinking, what can we sell? He's not thinking, uh, you know, let's have a garage sale. You know, what are we going to need to do to raise this money? He's thinking miraculous. 
He's thinking out of the ordinary. Amen. Either the angel got in the water and caused the one fish to scoop up the coin and find his hook. I happen to believe that Peter just caught any old fish and God just created the coin. He just put the coin in there. Amen. An everyday circumstance wasn't a desperate thing. And yet God was willing to input. And who gets more glory? You know, when we just do things as Christians only by the natural, even if we give him glory for the natural strength and ability that he gives, and we should do that, God's going to get more glory when he employs his supernatural power and we're demonstrating the power of God in daily life. Amen? We're going to be a much greater witness, amen, for God. So, number one, to operate in this big key, which is obey big, then you have to hear his voice. And then number two, you have to, the, have, to have the audacity to do what he said. And you'll never know the adventure and the faithfulness of God for yourself until you get out there and obey. That you hear him and you step out and you obey. Amen. Let me give you the second big key. The second big key to living in the miraculous is ask big. You know, again, like I've said, for far too long, we as Christians, we've only thought to look for, to God to manifest his power in the most desperate of circumstances. And, but God wants much more for that. He, you know, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, I believe, is the one that made this statement. He said, if God be your partner, make your plans large. Amen. You know, we honor our big God when we ask big. And we dishonor God. And we show Him how undeveloped our faith is. Amen. And how small God is in our own mind and heart when we ask small. Why would we ask small when the God who created all things is our Heavenly Father? Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's look at a verse we all know. Amen. You know, as I was reading that book from Rick Renner about what he learned from history and the original Greek about those magi, those magi were known for giving diplomatic gifts. And uh, they said a small gift of gold, I added up in, according to today's gold price, would have been not less than $2.2 million. This is for a low-level king. And that would have been accompanied by rugs and chairs and trinkets and crowns and fragrances and imported goods and spices and all kinds of things. But a high-level king, oh my gosh, they'd pull out all the stops. But these magi who grew up under Daniel, his influence in Persia, that's why they were looking. They were experts at interpreting dreams. Daniel was an interpreter of dreams. He served under King Darius, amen, the Persian king. And these magi were existence back then. And they were, Daniel was highly regarded and highly respected in history. I didn't know this, but history shows that these magi, these Persian, 
Magi. Daniel's all in their writings. They were highly respected. And Daniel told them about the promised Messiah and all the prophecies and all the visions that he had. So for hundreds of years, they were looking. Those pagan Magi were looking. And they were experts at studying the stars. It was a science back then. And when this star appears, they're thinking Daniel. And they set off on this journey. And what Daniel told them, this isn't some ordinary king. This is the king of kings. The Lord of lords. Amen. Their entourage, it would have been like Aladdin come into town. You know, when you watch the animated Aladdin. Yeah. And we think that, you know, that Jesus was poor. That's not my sermon, but that just blows out this whole thing about Jesus is poor. You know, God told Joseph to get out because Herod was, it's another thing about knowing that Jesus, those magi, they didn't see Jesus when he was a baby because they said, well, when did the star appear? About two years ago. And that's why Herod had all children two years old and younger killed. He didn't say 12 years old and 12 months old and under. Amen. Yeah, he was one nervous guy because those guys were apparently kingmakers. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Ephesians 3 and 20. Notice it says, Now unto him, talking about God, our God, your God, now unto him that is able to do. He's able to what? He's able to do. God is able to do. What is He able to do? Exceedingly. That means He'll just go way beyond. Exceedingly, abundantly. The Greek word there is superabundance. Amen. Above. All. That we what? Ask or think. Amen. Believer, what are you going to do about that verse? Is Paul having a moment of ridiculous exaggeration when he wrote that? Or when the Holy Ghost inspired Paul to write it, do we really think that God is willing to actually back up this verse? Is God willing to satisfy this verse in the life of the one who employs this verse? Look at this verse. Why would we ask small? God is able to exceedingly abundantly, above. Amen. He's able to do all that we ask or think. Amplified says dream or pray or imagine. So the next big key to miracles is ask big. So people ask so small, they're asking in view of what they think they can do. Why are you even praying a prayer if you're making plans on something only you can do? I like what Dr. Bill Winston said years ago when he and his wife were learning these things. They were deep, deep in debt. And he must have been working, but they were deep in debt. And so she decided she was going to get a job. And so they uh, got a card out and she began to write down uh, what she wanted. And so she said, uh, and I'll try to get this as right as I can. Uh, But she said, uh, I want a job 10 minutes from the house. I want XYZ salary. I want a nice office. And I want a company car. 
And so she prayed and she began, she prayed that and she, be, oh, and she said, it's got to be in computers. That's the field I want to be in, in computers. Well, so, you know, these difficult economic times and they're, they're bad off, but she started confessing that and she started confessing that and she started praising God for that and she began to stir up her expectation for that. And then in the other room, somebody comes in to visit her in their house and uh, Dr. Winston said he was listening and someone asked her, so did you get your job yet? And now he wants to, he's listening to find out what she's going to say. She said, oh yeah, I got it. And he goes, really, really, where it's at? And she goes, she goes well, I don't really know where it's at, but I got it. I got it. Well, long, long story short, uh, someone accidentally came across one of her applications that she'd submitted to this company months ago, months before. He happened to pull it out, call her, call her in for an interview. So she was excited. She went for the interview. So she came back. Dr. Bill Winston, he is ready. He is, uh, how do we do? And she said, well, he wants me to start immediately. He goes, okay, great. Uh, how do we do on what we were believing God for? She said, go get the card. So he went and got the card. And he said, computers. It's the jobs in computers. Check. And then uh, she said, the commute is 10 minutes. Check. Company car. He said, go pick out a new Buick. Check. Salary. It was $5,000 more a year than what she asked. She said, he said, I'm taking credit for that because I went in the bedroom after I, I found out what she was asking for and I asked God to up it. <laughs> Everything on her list. She just didn't say, oh God, give me any old job. You know, I'll just be any old job. I mean, I'll just be happy to get any old job. That's how most Christians pray. But she laid it out. Sounds like your testimony. Is that right? Is it right that your boss, actually the owner of the company, actually came to you and asked you what you wanted to make? So that's true. And so you met for dinner or lunch or something to discuss it? You met at headquarters. And you told him, and is it okay to say that you asked him for double salary? He said, oh, you're giving me a curveball. So he ends up with triple. Potential for triple. What if he'd ask, what if he'd ask for, well, if I could have a 3% cost of living raise, that would be great. Come on, if the boss is going to say, what do you want to make? Have some sense. Right? Don't think small. We serve a God of miracles. We serve a really big God. Amen. And I love it that Caden had enough audacity to put something out there that only God could perform. And God showed himself able to back up Caden's faith. He did exceedingly abundantly above all that Caden could ask or even think. Amen. Praise God. The way we uh, perform and, and enter into the miraculous is we ask on a scale that's going to require God to intervene on our behalf.
You know, we're not, you're not waiting on God to speed up the pace of prosperity in your life. God, prosperity is going to keep pace with your soul and with your faith. God is able to keep, and this is one of the big things God has been teaching me. I'm not waiting on God. He's waiting on me. You know, I heard in California in the summertime, I heard Bill Winston give that testimony. And he started talking about how God would accelerate time. That God wants to accelerate and bypass time. Because we're born of eternity. We're not limited to time. And so he started talking about that entrepreneurship school for Christians he wanted to start. And he wanted it on five continents. And he asked his uh, Harvard grad uh, you know, staff people how long. And they said two years. It'll take two years of time to get this going, this school. God said, it'll take, you tell them they've got three months. And God did it. God did it. See, God gets glory in that situation. Well, that inspired me. You know the story, I've told it to you. That inspired me. I went back because I got this farm. And I looked it up and I owed 30, 30 more payments. Two and a half years. More payments. And I said, God, you'll do that for Bill Winston. You'll do it for me. You'll do it for my wife and I. What do you say? And I just had peace about the same time frame, three months. God did it in 26 days. 26 days. Now, how come he didn't do that for me last year? The year before? I didn't ask. What if I'd have not done it? He'd have been able to do exceedingly abundantly above all the time, but I'm not making a demand. I'm not doing my part. And my part was to ask big. My wife and I got an agreement. We asked big and God did it. Amen. 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 And so I've just, I kind of have felt like me personally, I let myself get in a little bit of a lull. Why would I take my foot off the gas pedal? I've got other things. I got other projects. I'm ready to put my foot to the pedal, down to the metal. And God will keep pace. I got this word from God a few years ago through Pastor Nancy. Uh, it was kind of a corrective thing, but she was very sweet about it. We were in a board meeting, and she looked across the table at me, and she said, you do know, Pastor Chris, that God is able to advance more than one project in the church at a time? Because I'd gotten in this thing. I'd just gotten this habit. We do this little project, and oh, can't, God can't do more than that. So we do this project, and then we'll start another one, and we're making progress. But amen. But then I just started, okay. And we just started different projects. None of them failed. All of them were funded. So what, what's pent up in the pipeline and waiting for you? What miracle could God perform in your life and you have it not because you ask not? The third big key to the miraculous, living in the miraculous, is you got to believe big. Let's go to John chapter 6. You say, well, I, no problem, Pastor. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to ask big. Good. But you, you have to believe. And this is where you have to really take some time and be sober and develop your faith. Amen. Praise God. Don't try to bite off uh, some things that you, you have heard others um, bite off with their faith. What can you believe? 
What can you believe? Amen. Uh, praise God. In John chapter 6, and um, praise God. Oh, I hate it when I bring a different Bible uh, to the, uh, than what I studied in. Where they asked him, oh, let me get in the right chapter here. Yeah, John chapter 6, verse 29. Verse 28 says, And they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? It's a good question. They said, what do we need to do so that we could work the works of God? Look at what Jesus said. This is the work that you believe. Our work is to believe. I do the trusting, God does the doing. If he gives me an instruction, that's the first key to me. I'm going to do whatever he tells me. Amen? And if he's not telling me some things, I'm going to practice the second big key to miracles. I'm going to ask God for some big things. Amen. Amen. But I'm going to believe. You've got to exercise the third key to miracles, and that is the work of believing. The work of believing. Amen. In uh, the book of Mark, around chapter Mark 9, Mark 10, we have the story of the, uh, the nobleman's son. And the nobleman brings his son to the disciples. Remember that? And the disciples tried to get the boy delivered, but they failed. They, they just failed and they quit. And so they brought uh, the boy to Jesus. Jesus asked the father some questions. How long has this been happening to him? How long has the devil been doing this to him? He said, well, since he's been a little kid. And uh, Jesus cast that spirit out of the boy and he was delivered. Amen. And, but anyway, in the, in the midst of all this, the father made this petition he said, this is what's happening to my boy. If you can do anything, please help us. That's what the father petitioned the boy. And Jesus turned it right back on him. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. This might be easier for you to believe that nothing is impossible with God. That's true, isn't it? But the way you tap into that is you have to believe. All things are possible in your life if you believe. And if, it ever, if you do ever hit a desperate place and the doctors can't help you and there's no possible natural solution to your dilemma and you need a miracle, if you've been living this way, you'll know how to believe for the impossible. You've been walking with God. You've been living this way. You've been going from glory to glory and from level to level. And when the natural fails you, you won't fail because you've been developing your faith to believe God for the impossible. Amen? Amen. You know, we have one more service uh, between now and the Christmas holiday, so I won't, won't see some of you. Uh, although if you could be here Wednesday night, it'd, it'd bless you and help you to do that. And, um, but between now and the end of the year, you need to stir yourself, expand your thinking. Amen? If there were no limits, if God was on your side and He can do anything, what is in your heart that you would want God to do for you? What problems do you want solved? What issues in your life do you want to be rid of? What blessings do you want God to bring you into? 
And then more than that, how do you want to be used in 2023? Amen. Praise God. God not, not only wants to manifest the miraculous for us, but He wants to manifest the miraculous through us that we might be a blessing to others. Amen. Praise God. What debts do you need God to pay off? Amen. What conditions in your body need to be changed? Amen. All things are possible with God, and all things are possible for you if you can believe. And, and don't let the devil tell you you can't believe. Listen, we, we've all experienced, whatever you want to call them, disappointments in prayer. Amen. But listen, if we were ever disappointed, that's never to be interpreted as God saying no. Amen. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes. Yes and amen. For some reason or another, maybe we just didn't quite make our faith connection. Amen. Maybe we're like that father. We have to throw our hands up in the air and say, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. He was just honest in recognizing, you know, maybe I'm not all the way where I ought to be in my believing. But honesty will get you a long way with God. Jesus went ahead and delivered that boy. Amen. Praise God. Let God loose. Dream a big dream. I could have added a lot more keys to this, but I knew my time. You know, God, God can't be bigger than you can conceive Him to be. But if you can imagine it, if you can dream it, if you can mix your faith with it, amen. And if you're just flat willing to obey any instruction God gives you, no matter how ridiculous or silly to your mind, then you'll live in the miraculous as a lifestyle. Amen. 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 Well, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you. That